It's time for a Shway Media Podcast. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in the show do not necessarily reflect those of Shway Media or any subsidiaries. The program may contain strong language not suitable for young audiences. Series discussions will contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show! Everybody doing today? Um, welcome to the first episode ever, ever of Dubterfuge. My name is Stella Luna, and with me is Matt. Hello. What are we talking about today? Oh man, what aren't we talking about today? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, we decided to kick this off um, with some magic. Magic. Um, uh, today, I think we're going to talk about Izetta the Last Witch. That's what the notes say. A 12-episode fantasy adventure anime from Aijado Animation Works. Uh, aired in the fall of 2016. Uh, Crunchyroll Funimation streamed them both as they aired in sub and dub, respectively. I may or may not have just read that off of Wikipedia. You probably did. Shh, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about this. It is a it is a fun show. One of one of my favorites in the genre, definitely, and really just all all around, definitely top twenty ish. Uh, I wonder how like prevalent, um, or not not prevalent, but I wonder like. How much witches are prevalent in Japanese, like, culture? Um, or well, if they're just sort of borrowing from Western culture? Well, with a lot of the witch shows, it's borrowed from Western culture. It A lot of the... you don't, I haven't really heard about any kind of, um, like, witch, witches in the way we know in Japanese culture uh lore like i've heard of like fe- i've heard of female spirits and demons and stuff but yeah, never yeah an actual like hex casting magic using witch yeah cuz i know like like clearly like um witches i mean like are clearly like magic exists in in their culture obviously yes um, but yeah, it was just it's just something I've just been curious about because it does show up quite a bit. Um, yeah, that's I like western I like anime that has a heavy western influence. It's more relatable and just well more relatable more than anything. It's fun and you're like oh they based it on that thing. I I remember that from school. I this makes more sense now. Yeah, of course. So what's the show about? <laughs> Okay, so this is this is an interesting one. It's it's set basically in an alternative it's like it's like an alternate retelling of the Second World 
World War, um, and it follows. And so, anyway, so Izetta is a she's she's like the last surviving member of a clan of witches, um, and they have this ability uh, to kind of like it's like gravity manipulation, and they can manipulate like objects that they touch. Um, Levitation. Yeah. It's it's like I don't want to say it's like psychokinetic because obviously she's using like the power of like this magic stone, but essentially she has the power to kind of man- manipulate and control objects um, by touching them, and then they kind of become in- influenced by her magic, and she can kind of um, do what she you know uh, make them do whatever she wants them to do basically. Yes. And whatever she and she wants to help the, defeat the the Germanians in the war, and so she makes the objects help do that, from turning tanks upside down yeah. to completely to almost wrecking an aircraft carrier to plan, but not really. Yeah. So so for the most part, I think in ter- in terms of historical accuracy, like most of what's happening is fairly accurate. They just They've kind of changed up the names, obviously. So um, where this is mainly taking place is in this country of Eilstadt, which to me seems like it's kind of representing like Austria-Hungary. But like imagine if like Austria-Hungary actually fought back against the Nazis. (laughs) Yes. Um, Eilstadt is not afraid to fight back, and that is... One of the more empowering things I like about this show because the the princess the princess Fine is not afraid of is not afraid of getting her hands dirty and and is just getting up in everyone's business about fighting back. Yeah, and and then you have um, oh obviously like Britannia is still Britannia, and then uh, the U.S. or probably like my favorite interpretation of the U.S., which is now the United States of Atlanta. Well, it is the busy. It does have the busiest airport in the country, which might actually be the joke since there's so much flying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I think, although the role that the you know the U.S. of Atlanta takes within the show is actually kind of pretty accurate to how it happened in real life, like kind of sit it out until the very end. Yeah. Oh. Though they, though they really, they were just sort of spurred by Fine and Izetta's effort and didn't get bombed. That we know of. Yeah, that we know of. Um, so I would say, like, some strengths of the show, in my opinion, are a very compelling narrative. Um, I really like the aesthetics. I like the character designs a lot. Um, I think the main characters are also really likable. Um, and I think o- overall, this very much appeals to like military otaku. So like fans of like historical fiction, um, or just like fantasy and adventure. Um, but I think this is like a kind of a specific type of historical fiction. It's like historical war fiction, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, the. The character designs, like you said, are. I like how it's they 
I like how it sort of balances like some of the Yuri aspects with actuality. Like it's not, thank God it's not etchy. And then it's, yeah, but it's like, you can tell they care for each other, but at the same time they're here to do a job and they are going to do that job and just have, they, they have, they both have an objective and, they want and they want to help the other person and it's not just i love you i love you i love you it's i care about you let me help you beat these guys yeah um and so i I wrote this down in my notes um i really liked the okay so at the beginning of certain episodes uh they kind of mimic uh these like war propaganda reels like these like newsreels that were really prevalent during world war ii um, like you'll see, you know, just like these like clips that they used to show on, on television, you know, to kind of a give everybody like an update of what was happening, but to also get people, you know, involved to like support their troops and everything. Um, and so I, I liked that they, that they did that, um, in, in the beginning of certain episodes. I thought that was actually really cool. It was a really interesting take. And um, if you look really closely, um, they actually took the time to proofread all of the English that was printed on those reels. I noticed that it it was greatly it was greatly appreciated and not something you see every day in in anime because a lot of the times in the background papers that you see it is barely comprehensible as a sentence, but this is like. A little choppy, but is could fly as a as an actual descriptive sentence. Yeah, and um, and I like where they kind of took the narration too. I mean, they they really did kind of go all out. Like they had, you know, like they made it kind of look like an old fashioned slide reel um, with like you know film scratches and everything, kind of a muted sepia tone. Um, mm-hmm. kind of like an old, yeah. old tiny mm-hmm. like radio narrator guy. Another thing I liked is that they actually made in in the show they actively did a propaganda campaign. Like they hired uh, media person Elvira. I forget what her exact title was before she defected, but they yeah. and they actually t- turned her into a, into an actual symbol. Like they, I know they mimicked a couple of. Uh, Army Air Corps posters from the war, and maybe a couple of the uh, the the pro women ones like that. I'm pretty. I know they did the the We Can Do It poster with Izetta. Yeah, then, they did. And then a couple other uh, working class women posters that I honestly thought were done really well. You could tell what they were imitate. They were trying to do, but at the same time, it felt original. I'm just quickly looking up some of those posters. Um, while you're, d- while you're doing that, um, I would, I will say that uh, more about the posters. I just, I also liked how they had photographers flying with Izet, like flying in a plane, like with Izetta to get the pictures, because that is, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure they actually did that during the war during the war, um, but they only came out later, I think. I'm probably wrong. But I liked how they sort of 
did stayed true to character on some of the, for lack of a better term, war culture that, yeah, or war propaganda culture that they went with that the U.S. went with. Um, even though it's supposed to be Europe, it seems like they're can really consider. Seems like Japan's really considering their foreign audience in this one in terms of relatability. Mm-hmm. Okay. In- I'm sorry. Uh, no, I was just gonna move on saying um that is that a instead of a pl- instead of a plane uses a customized anti tank rifle which is probably the coolest weapon oh, yeah. ever. No, since- like, I thought that was awesome. Like she basically uses it as one of those speeder bikes from Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, imagine which is a fucking awesome. <laughs> imagine a broom that can also shoot things like. No, like, like a firebolt with a cannon. Well, first of all, this is so much more practical, uh, given yes. given the situation they're in. Um, I mean, a broom's gonna be fucking useless. I mean, yeah. Can't... What are you gonna do? Sweep the plane to death? <laughs> just, just. Sorry, just this needs a bit of dusting. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, your wings are filthy. When did you last clean these? Ugh. What if this got into your engine? Um. <laughs> Um, what else? Oh, oh, the soundtrack. I'm completely obsessed yes. with the soundtrack. Um, unfortunately, um, I cannot find any information on the insert songs, which is really frustrating. So I'm probably just going to have to physically buy the soundtrack. You mean, you mean the, uh, choral ones? Yeah, there's a, there's a piece that I can't really find any other inf- information on. Like, I don't know who composed it or anything. Um, I can only find information on the opening and ending songs, but there's a piece that plays whenever Izetta is kind of like powers up, so to speak. Um, and it's a re- Espinaria. Like that was that's the one you're thinking of. That, but basically. like sung better. Um, just kidding. Thank you. <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, it's, I am not a singer and never claimed to be. But yeah, it's 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 that exact piece, and it sounds so cool. Um, yeah, just like the way that they layered the choral tracks over it is just—it's really cool and it sounds awesome. And um, definitely had that song stuck in my head for a while. And, yes. And in addition to an awesome music, the action scenes in this are some of the best you'll ever see. Like they studied actual dogfights in oh yeah war, definitely in, in, from both world wars to get this like Izetta is basically like an ace like Alestat's ace pilot at this point she like she like does these dive moves that are insane and then can like somehow get by, then gets behind them it's it's like it's like top gun but with a 16 year old girl on steroids yeah, she. What I liked is that anytime, also like, uh, anytime like the planes um, move, like Izetta's rifle kind of mimics those movements. Yeah, the way they, you know, like the way they turn or dive. That yeah. that was a nice that was a nice touch. Um, and some of the other action scenes are it like at the end, like in the end when she is fighting Sophie, I just loved how creative the and the writers got with that like giant 
train like giant tendrils made of made of like train cars yeah are getting whipped around in the air just like like ping pong balls in a in a bingo machine and it is just a it is just a treat to watch because the the movements are so fluid yet and so much fun oh yeah for for sure um Okay, so on to... Oh, actually, no. We're going to keep talking about positive stuff. Um, I really like the dub cast. Um, I thought the performances were really, really, really well done. Yeah, the dub on it was spectacular. Uh, we For the dub, we had uh, Mallory Rodak playing uh, Princess... Uh, Princess Fine and Skylar McIntosh playing Izetta, and those two had some awesome chemistry. Awesome chemistry together, uh, and then everyone else really like was just fit their roles to a T, and and just and you could tell that they were really into the performances. Oh, for sure. Uh, w- one thing that I am so glad happened on the home video release with this was that. Um, the ADR director Kyle Phillips was able to keep uh, the late great Cole Brown's lines um, in the show instead of having David Wald go back and re-record them. I was yeah, I thought that was so a... grateful. It's it, I was so grateful for that. It's like a really sort of nice little tribute to him. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Cole Brown sadly uh, passed away mid-production of the show, and there was a whole scramble to. Uh, replace him yeah i thought it was a nice touch that they were able able to can't talk anymore they were able to keep some of his lines um and i think like the transition ended up being really smooth like it's not particularly jarring or in, in any way you could tell it's someone else but at the same time you could it didn't feel completely out of out of character for what had already been established for Lord Redford. Also, I think because those episodes are so not so spaced out, but I think they're spaced out enough. Um, at least from what I can remember, like they're, they're they're spaced out enough to where, um, to where you don't hear them consistently and realize immediately. Oh, that doesn't, sound exactly sound like him at all you yeah it's a it's, sort not, of a smooth, it's a smoother transition due to his due to his few appearances yeah like it's 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 not you know like um one episode he sounds like this like literally next episode he sounds completely different or like god forbid in the same scene so l- yeah. l- luckily they didn't run into any of those problems that would be some pop team epic BS right there. Oh man, oh, man, that show Ch- is wacky. Um, we will definitely talk about that show in an upcoming episode. I promise. That is another show for another episode. Where were we? Um. So some things I didn't quite like about the show. Um. I kind of feel like some of the character writing was a little shallow. And I really feel like the main relationship didn't progress um, to a point that I would have liked. I don't think it really, you know, p- 
progresses any much further than what we see. Um, what point would you have wanted it to progress to? Just wondering. Just, I, I, well, for one thing, a lot of Izetta and, or the, the majority of Izetta and Fine's relationship to one another is very much Im- implicit. Um, uh-huh. You know, there's never like any sort of outright declaration of how they feel. Um, and I kind of would have preferred at least some sort of, you know, dialogue about that. Even, e- yeah. e- even if it were just, you know, like, you know, like, um, you know, like, you're my best friend or something. I, I don't know. I just felt like there should have just been something. I feel like Fine might have might not really care too much about romantic relationships because... She cares about Izetta, but at the same time, in the first episode, she was saying, I'm willing to marry this dude if it means uh, bringing peace. So I, she's definitely putting her the, her people before her own romantic interests, uh, if, if she has any. That uh, is but, true, but yeah. mainly at that time in particular, I feel like marriage especially at at that level of society you know like at, for people who are at that you know status level you, you know what i mean who are in kind of like yeah, the, it, the upper level of society like that i feel like it was mainly just for like political and not, monetary convenience they know they're not going to get married for love it's yeah it's, it's going to be very much like an arrangement it's going to be because it's going to help the greater good yeah um, or at least help, you know, keep that family's, like, status the way it is. Yep. Um, what else? Uh, okay, so we talked a little bit about the good guys, now onto the bad guys. Um, man, Emperor Otto. He felt very cartoonish to me. He also didn't really do much he well he first really off didn't. he only he only appeared like after the show was more than halfway done we're like oh so that's the dude that everyone's that everyone on the side we're cheering for is hating on like he sort of came a little out of nowhere but at the same time he didn't but at the same time it was like okay yeah we understand why you're introducing him but it, but like what's the point at this point yeah um and i believe he's trying to is it wilhelm hang on i'm gonna see like he's supposed to be loosely based off of um i want to say like one of the last emperors yeah that was kaiser wilhelm if you're yes design wise it was they screamed kaiser wilhelm um then yeah the dude did not really have much in the way of military interest since he only really wanted to Really, he, the only thing he seemed interested in getting was the magic power of the witch, and just yeah. like betting the whole farm on, on that on that one power, which, if you've, which if you've played any kind of uh, strategy video game, you know that's a terrible idea. Yeah. And then what I thought was really interesting was that they. Since it's supposed to be World War Two, they replaced mag- They replaced uh radio like radioactive material with 
magic. Like they had the giant magic bomb that could yeah. wipe out Aelstad and and that's basic that was basically the same thing as the as the atomic bomb bomb in the real world. So I so, sort of thought that was interesting, but then I realized that like the ley lines would have to be radiation and all of Europe would be dead. Yes, there's the rub. <laughs> that that would be a pretty significant caveat. Yeah, that the metaphor or the simile only goes so far until you, you realize, "Oh, I'm killing everyone." <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, given how, you know, intelligent Otto is, he'd probably do something that stupid. Yeah, Otto I, I can I can understand why they took so long to introduce Otto because he has little to n- nothing to do. P- pretty much his entire character, like his entire purpose, other than being constantly manipulated by Berkman, is just to like harness the magic stones energy to take over the world. Because, mwahaha. It's like Otto and the brain. Yeah, pretty much. What are like, we gonna do? What are we gonna <laughs> do tonight, to Brain? Tonight, Harness the Batman. energy to take over the world. Yeah, it's like what shall we do tonight, Backman? Try and take over the world, Otto. With diddy, magical energy. Okay. Oh, speaking of <laughs> magical energy, another thing I liked, I thought that was a good idea was use. The use of the ley lines to limit her power so that she wouldn't be just completely, o- completely OP. Yeah. I thought I, I, I'd like it when they when superhuman things like that have limiting aspects. It sort of makes it a little more brings the character more down to earth, makes them a little more understandable, relatable instead of just I can do everything. Yeah. Plus, you know, um, yeah, like it. I think giving her a handicap like that was a a good choice um, because then otherwise she could just wipe the enemy out in like two seconds and then, you know, show's over. You mentioned him a second ago. Let's talk about Berkman, a.k.a. the a.k.a. like the soldier of fortune of the show. Shiesty McShiesterson. Yes. Oh, God, this guy annoyed the crap out of me. <laughs> He was a little too good at his job when he was on the enemy side, and then when he switched sides, it's... We were glad that he was good at his job. I swear, like, I could just see him writing in his little notebooks, smirking to himself, like, all according to Keikaku. (laughs) Yeah, he was... Def- he definitely was just in it for himself. He wanted to make sure that he had a that he could would make it to the to his next meal, pretty much. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I still think it was like not gonna lie. I laughed a little bit when he switches sides and like Otto's just kind of left there crying like a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, that was that- pretty amusing. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Like, the way he handled it was just, like, the smoothest thing you will ever see. Like, he was, there was no panic, no, no, no like, 
begging or anything. It's like, seems like we should have a discussion. What say I help you and you and you help me help me help you? Yeah, that way we just, can all get what we want. And then he just goes and sells all his secrets to the U.S. Yeah, assumes a new identity, runs off somewhere. I will say, though, that the dude was a tactical genius. Like, the espionage he had organized was really good. Like, the... Like, when they... the Like, the whole plan to sneak into the old castle, get the picture... And get the pictures of the... Uh, yeah. Of the, of the ley lines, and then... And then base... And then have a backup spy for that. I thought that was really clever. That is some... As that is some like high level espionage stuff. Um, who was that kid? The one with the glasses. Yeah. Ah, oh, Rip Jonas. Yeah. But turns out, is that is not the last witch, and we have another witch coming in at the. At some ra- a couple random times, named Sophie. Uh, and Wicked Witch of the Nazis. Yes, if she is the OP character here because she has a magic stone that lets her use magic anywhere, and boy does she have a grudge, don't you think? Well, technically, she's just the reincarnation of the Vice Hex. Yes, but she inherited or the White Witch. Um. Yeah. yeah, she was born out of a... Whoa, my computer just started... Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, she's basically just this reincarnation. Um, but she has, like... I felt like her motivations were just kind of, like... This really basic re- revenge plot that doesn't really have any sort of... Um, I don't know. I thought her involvement in the first in the first bit of it was a little bit sort of forced because the yeah. first time we hear about her the first time we hear about her she's at she's at the masquerade ball and then just suddenly starts making out with Izetta well not making out making out but like bites her lip to get her blood pretty yeah. much to go into beast mode and then we don't see her and then it's just like Hi, I'm mad at you. Remember me? Yeah, and everybody's just kind of like, uh... Oh, okay. Uh, who are you? Yeah, and then... And then she's like, I am blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, okay, yeah, but who, 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 who? Yeah. Yeah, that, then they had to go through the whole diatribe again of, I... I came back as the I'm the original I'm from I'm like the original White Witch but not quite and then I'm and now I'm back and I'm angry. And oh, speaking of our of uh, how she got her is that his blood. Our next bullet point is pointless fan service moments. Yeah, um, pretty that, much. <laughs> that being one of them and probably the most Yuri scene in the entire show. Although, I feel like that also kind of served a purpose because she did have to obtain her blood. Um, yeah, that was... However, there is a, you know... 
They get points for creativity. Yeah. I mean, and if you thought, um, you know, pr- pretty much in, in anime, in the anime fan, well, if, especially if you're a Fujoshi, uh, the words corset scene um, usually refers to um, a very famous instance in Black Butler. Yes. So now that the Fujoshi have their little corset scene, now the otaku can have theirs too. Um, mm-hmm. Though I will say that corset scene had one of the greatest visual puns to ever be written into no, anime. I, think I was, I was dying on rolling I on the floor. Definitely will give. Yeah, I definitely give props to the to the to the dub cast for making the most out of that. Um, yes. And kind of t- turning something really tasteless and stupid into something like actually pretty amusing. That that wins the award for probably the best boob joke in anime. Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it had the visuals to go with it too, and then <laughs> I never had this problem with the princess. <laughs> <laughs> and then Phoenix goes, "Could my small alpine nation really stand up to such a vast empire?" But it up. I had to stop the. I had to stop watching that episode to just have a, to just laugh because I was laughing too hard and couldn't watch what was happening next. That was probably the most brilliant line in the show. If I had to go so far as to say that, <laughs> I was dying. So while, so while. Somewhat unnecessary, the, the fan service moments were hilarious. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, will, I will definitely give it props for that. Um, I don't... Yeah, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's anywhere near that clever in the original. I never knew the original. Or, you mean the Japanese, the sub? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I honestly don't remember what the joke was back then, but it probably paled in comparison. It's been a while. Plus, like, it's harder for me to remember what they say in the subtitle because I'm reading it versus hearing it. Yeah, different parts of the brain. For sure. Um, let's see. Any other things we should talk about? Overall, for a witch, for a war, one of the war witch shows, I thought this was one of the more well done ones. Like the, like the effort you can you can see the effort in the details by how they wanted to go for historical accuracy. Like even some of the planes they used were or were uh, actual World War Two planes. I know at least a couple of them were based on uh, English Mustangs. And the de- it's really the show like sort of shines in the details that that way um, rather than the overall. Yeah, uh, I would I would completely agree. Story and plot. I I do I do as a person who appreciates attention to detail. I will give I do like how that 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 the show did that. Yeah, no, I I would completely agree. I think they went above and beyond in certain cases. Um, I thought they did. Um, yeah, you 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 can definitely tell they they did a lot of research. 
Um, and I think uh, they, they, what I want to say, that's not just repeating myself, but uh, you can tell they put a lot of thought into it. And also the, like, the fluidity of the animation was just really aesthetically oh, yeah. pleasing to me. Especially in the especially in the fight scenes, n- none of that felt forced or choppy. Um, everything had a everything everything's played to plan and and the results were just fantastic. Absolutely, um, it would be really nice if, unfortunately, um, anime or not anime news network, but um, unfortunately. Uh, my anime list has been down for several days now, um, which is unfortunate because um, it is making it pretty impossible to look up um, certain things. So I'm going to really quick... Actually, no. I'm trying to look up who the animation... Okay, so uh, the chief animation director... um, this okay yeah so i think there are two chief animation directors as well as um art directors as well okay so a uh, chief art director is uh there's masayuki sekine and mika nakajima um let's see masayuki-san worked on episodes three through twelve and he also did work for shows such as um oh you were wondering who did the uh, scoring for it the com- the person behind the music is known simply as Michiru yeah no they're the composer i just meant like in terms of um in terms of like um Oh, you want to know who the artist who did the singing was? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. It, it, Couldn't it's, tell you. It's fine. Okay, so Mika Nakajima um, did art designs for All Dead and Mean on the Sky, which actually now that kind of makes sense because they have a really similar aesthetic. Yeah, um, I, I noticed a lot of the... Uh, yeah, I noticed some comparisons in hair color shading with... Um, Isetta and, and Alderman. It was um, a weird thing to notice, but I know. Also, it. and now this this makes so much more sense now. Uh, sh- they are currently working on a Kakuryu Bed and Breakfast for Spirits. Oh, cool. So that actually makes a lot more sense, because I kept thinking, like, why do these designs look so familiar? It's like, oh, that's why. Um, okay, and so the... The actual director is Masaya Fujimori, um, and they have previously worked on... um, I wonder if this is actually an offshoot of Production IG. It's possible. Isn't Studio Nut an offshoot of them? No, wait, they're Madhouse. Never mind. I think it's a little bit of both, but I think it's mostly Madhouse, yeah. Um, okay, so this this guy is directed. He's wow, he's directed a lot. Um, oh, he cool. did most of the storyboards for Doraemon and key animations as well. Oh, he also did stuff for Kijibiki Unbalance. That's awesome. 
<laughs> okay, so really quick. Uh, he Okay, yeah, of course, because he worked on Genshiken. Okay, so Kijibiki on Balance, if you've seen the show Genshiken, um, it's like a show within a show. So the anime in Genshiken that all the characters are obsessed with is called Kijibiki on Balance. And so as like... I think it's like a special feature. At one point, they made I think it's only like a f- two or three episode OVA, but they basically made a full anime out of Kijibiki on Balance. So it's like what I'm hoping happens with Hoshido Girl Drop. Yes, I was about to say it's what we want with Hoshiro Girl Drop, but much earlier. Um. Oh. Okay. Yeah. This. This turns makes- out he was also. Turns out he was also the director for the first fairy tale movie, Phoenix Priestess, and did storyboards for that as well. Oh, nice. And the and a, and was the key animation for an episode of Infinite Stratos. Okay, yeah, this 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 makes a lot of sense. Um What else has Michiru also done, I wonder? Not much. Oh, they did the music for Kokoku, uh, moment by moment. And Mitsuboshi Colors, which is a show I really like from last winter season. Aside from Isetta and Mitsuboshi, I haven't heard of any of these. Uh, Kokoku is moment by moment. Um, it's a it, it was an Amazon exclusive from the from from last season, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> Um, I only saw like a couple episodes of it. Um, I may or may not go back to it. It had a really, it's, it's, it's the one where I said like it had a really awesome opening. Um, and then, because it's also, it's, it's a collaboration with Miyavi. So like, of course it's awesome, but yeah, like it had a really awesome opening and ending, but I didn't. I wasn't really feeling the show at, at first, so anyway. Um, so enough of us blathering on because we've been here for what, like forty-five minutes. <laughs> um, so I guess for yeah, for me personally, I would give it an overall recommendation of three point five out of five magic stones. I would give it a uh, four out of five magic stones. Um, it... Sorry, it was. It was enjoy. Yeah, sorry, my 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 phone jack came out for a second. Uh, no worries. I I enjoyed it. It wasn't it wasn't a perfect show, but it was still really enjoyable, really on point, and. You could tell, and I, I and I liked a lot of the aesthetics they put in, and 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 references to World War II that they had going on. For sure, um, I really and again, as I stated previously, um, I really liked the attention to detail. Again, I felt like the story overall was really compelling. Um, I I really. I really like the character designs and again like the an- some of the action sequences are really well done. Um Yeah, the and the of action course, sequences are probably my favorite part. And of course using an anti-tank rifle as a speed bike from Star Wars. Um Yeah, that 
yeah, and of course the soundtrack that I'm completely obsessed with. Um, I, yeah, I would definitely recommend. I, I, I think Matt gives us a slightly higher recommendation than I do. I, for me personally, I think it's a stream it recommendation. Um, just if you're if you're at all curious, definitely worth worth checking out. Um, it's available on on Crunchyroll or Funimation now. Um, I think Matt probably has a slightly higher recommendation than I do, but I give it I, a light to medium recommendation. Definitely, probably higher if you're a military otaku fan at, at all. I would recommend this show to anyone who likes um, just like stuff based on the like on any of the world wars or just war war in general. Or if you like all, or if you like reta- if you like retellings or uh, alternate world uh, world shows, this is definitely for you. I I I never want to tell anyone to buy anything right away because everyone has different tastes. But I would definitely recommend streaming it, and if you like, and if you like it, definitely buy it because it is a amazing show. Uh, how? And speaking of buying it, how? Have you checked out like what are the special features on the discs like? I'm now holding the uh, DVD Blu-ray combo pack in my hand, and as per your previous question, it says in, uh, include extras are promo videos and trailers. Okay, so not entirely bare bones, but some yeah I'm. Not every show gets commentaries anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, I wonder if that's just like a a timing thing. I think it. I think it is, especially with um, broadcast dubs, since and yeah, the schedule to get it out on home video isn't as hectic. But at the same time, they would have to figure have to like schedule the commentary while doing other broadcast dubs, which is probably where the hectic part lies. Yeah. Um, I know, like has, hurting, hurting. Has great art, though. Yeah, like I know, hurting voice actors is kind of like hurting cats. Yeah. Um. Great art. Uh, I like the. Uh, the back is written like sort of like it's supposed to be a classified message, which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. Hang on, I'm gonna actually look up. Uh, Blu-ray really endearing pictures and there's also supposed to look like a one of the german newspapers i'm guessing or not yeah. german germanian but yeah the art is solid on it and there's a lovely uh full image inside there's a lovely full uh full cover image on the other side of the main cover But yeah, the but yeah, the slip has the black and white stuff you said you were liking about the newsreels. Yeah, really I'm, nice. I'm looking at it right now. That's really, really cool. Oh wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Man, they I will say though, as of late, and I'm not trying to make this like a criticism or like no or like whatever. Um it's, this is mainly just an observation. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, whatever about it. Um, 
Um, but I have noticed that I feel like I feel like Funimation isn't putting out as many limited editions um, as they have in the past, and I feel like, um, and even if they are, they're not going as far as as they used to. Like I feel like, um, especially the ones I've seen from from Sentai lately. Um, mm-hmm. I feel I feel like they've been going like really all out. Yeah, I'm. I, I've noticed that too and i'm really just i'm really curious as to why that might be obviously i'm guessing just budgetary issues but yeah and of course they've yeah. they went nuts with the uh the recent uh cowboy bebop um yeah so it seems when they are putting out limited i will never be able to buy and i'm still crying about it <laughs> it seems with limited editions they lately have just been going all in or not a whole lot i'm not criticizing their current limited editions because they're yeah no like this awesome is, yeah obviously like this is not meant to be like a criticism in any way it's just mainly an observation um yeah yeah like i'm not Maybe trying to be like all bleh or whatever yeah um Uh, speaking yeah, I, of a limited edition, I wish I could look at before pre-ordering um, the new Princess Principle. Oh yeah, which people I want are psyched about that. So bad, so bad. Oh that man, that was a fun show. Um, oh god, I'm so obsessed with it. Which actually brings me to alternate recommendations for the show we're supposed to be talking about. Um. So Princess my... Principle is not an alternate recommendation, by the way, since it has nothing to do with witches. Uh, still a good show, though. Check it out. Uh, and it still is kind of set during a World War-ish, kind of. So at least you have that. And it's got cute girls and, like, kind of magic? It's 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 got, a like, a... gravity that... ball. It has a gravity ball. It's It's got at least a steampunk vibe to it, which I love. Um, but anyway, um, so a a show that is actually about a witch, um, this is pretty obvious, but, uh, Maria the Virgin Witch, uh, which is a production IG anime from, I think, uh, 2015. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a really cool show. Um, I had some reservations about it, but I kind of stuck with it and i think about the seventh episode i was pretty much sold um yeah it's about a witch as well obviously um however this case it takes place i think during like joan of arc or around that time yeah yeah the the hundred years war so it's english and the french Um, Uh, you loved it i loved it too um just being a guy the title made me think it would be way more sexual than it was it's yeah um, points here and points here and there but really nothing consistent or overall it's a really great bit of storytelling and just a great character piece on maria um and also um i think it had a really interesting and compelling take on pacifism Mm-hmm. And, and you know, because I think Maria being very much a pacifist and very much, like, an, like passionately, like, anti-war, 
Um, there was, it was just, it, anyway, it was just, a, she's a really compelling character. I really liked her a lot. Um, and so, um, yeah, so segue into the next recommendation, which is a character who is not very, uh, <laughs> let's just say probably, well, you'd want to be on her good side, but you probably wouldn't want to be her friend. Um, and that is the... Uh, she wouldn't want you to be her friend. Exactly. She wouldn't want anyone to be her friend. Exactly. Not even a cute little potato girl. <laughs> That's the saga of Tanya the Evil. Uh, it's a uh, 2017 production by Studio Nut, um, which, as we discussed earlier, is probably like an offshoot of Madhouse. Um I think I think Splinter Cell might be a little more like it because they apparently it was started by a bunch of animators who were pissed off at Madhouse and thought, you know what, screw this, we're gonna do our own thing, and thus Studio Nut was born. Um, so yeah, it's it's adapted from I believe a light novel of the same name. Um, it's okay. So there are two ways I can I, I can explain this. Um. My personal recommendation with this show. So basically, on the surface, it's about this devilishly cunning little girl in this like military uniform, um, and she kind of sort of has this army at her command, um, and it's kind of in this like weird alternate version of like somewhere between like World War One and World War Two. It's kind of a mishmash of the two, um, and the so the tactics are. With Tanya, the, that Tanya is an interesting setting because the tactics are completely World War One trench warfare with yeah. with pot with with like dog with 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 dog fights is completely World War One. Yet this it's set in the late twenties, I believe, or something like that. But again, yeah, like, like 27, 28, 29. Yeah, yeah, and but, but then again, it's like who really knows? Because this is supposed to be like an alternate universe, so who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, but okay. So there are certain things about the show where it's like, personally, I recommend just going into the first episode completely cold. Mm -hmm. Um, because there, there is a twist in the second episode that I think is really important. Um, very, that being said, take the first episode at face value and move on. Yeah. Um, the thing is, unfortunately, though, if you do look up this episode, if you're not, if you don't care about spoilers, look like I think the Wikipedia. Um, Wikipedia spoils the hell out of it. Yeah, like pretty much everything just spoils the show, like straight off the bat. So, like, if you're concerned about spoilers, if you care about any of that, just go into it cold. Like, avoid yeah. any discussions, whatever. Just go into the first episode cold. Stick with it. Even if you're not sure about it, watch the second episode because it will it totally changes the dynamic. Like, not completely, but it, it definitely changes things for sure. Um, when I learned the twist in the second episode, all I could think was, is Monica Rial going to actually play this dude? Perhaps that was even too big a clue, but we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> And and on and we'll uh, I have one more recommendation for you if if you like to see witch, witches flying around and shooting things I rec I recommend Strike Witches and Brave Witches 
Strike Witches was the first uh is the main of is the main series of the of the World Witches uh franchise and it's a bunch of girls who can who can put on propellers and fly around and shoot these aliens called Neroi and that and it's a big weapons fest with a lot of fun slice of life antics which was an interesting balance to watch and then there's Brave Witches which is basically a spin-off of that same idea plain girls sh- uh big shoot 'em up stuff and just fun antics in between um and if you're looking for something a little bit more grounded uh <laughs> here it comes upon um i also recommend checking out girls und panzer which is if you enjoy girls and heavy machinery uh that's definitely one to check out it's basically girls with a bunch of tanks and again it, it kind of incorporates a lot of the same elements of strike witches and so forth and that it's just you know heavy machinery cute girls doing cute things antics um and it's just and also it's got a I, I think it's got a really great dub cast um but that's just oh, yeah. me and also the film is now been girls in panda film is finally legally available so that's a bonus i bought it it's awesome you you should too um All right, so I think I think uh I think we covered everything. Surprisingly enough. Um be sure yeah, to tune in thunk? next we week. Got through this. Um be sure to be, be sure Wait, did we say this be weekly or bi weekly? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Something like that. Something next week like or the week after that, one of those two. Not sure which yet. Uh we'll keep you in suspense. And that may or may not be a clue for the next episode. Ha ha ha. Okay, I have no clue how I made that a clue, but okay. Uh, <laughs> where can they find us if they want to, like, do the social medias with us, Stella? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Stara. That's S-H-T-E-R-R-R-A. Three R's. And you can find me on on Twitter at Matthew H. Voss. So that's... Did we forget anything? I don't think so. Well, with that, thank you for joining us, and we hope to see, hope you tune in next week. Goodbye, folks. Toodaloo. And that's our show. New episodes drop every two weeks on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time on YouTube. The show is available for download on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at Dubchifuge for more updates. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Now this is podcasting.